think it's important just to point your compass towards joy. And play like you, be like you, and don't overthink it. Ah, <sighs> You know what? Uh, we were on a roll until I pressed record. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just stopped. Wait, I love it. Even even like close to a hundred episodes in, we still get podcast butterflies. I do anyway. Until about 100%. 20 minutes in, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've just, I forget people are listening. But we we nailed it. We started with some with some drumming, with some stories, with some humor, and then we hit the red light and we just turned into absolute We lost robots. everything. Lost yeah, everything. Like, oh, let's talk about the mindset of no excuses. <laughs> We've got oh it all figured out here at God. Drum with Mike and Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, have you just finished another camp or are you starting a camp today? Yes to both. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, I finished uh, camp, the teacher camp, which we talked about on the last episode, and then the campers start arriving tomorrow. Um, so got this you. will be the seventh camp of this season. Um. And then I talked to you a little bit in voice notes about sending out a video for the people that had reserved spots for next year that this is the first year ever where during this camp season, I actually know what next year is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's specific. I've never done really a specific camp for an entire season. Every once in a while, I'll throw in like a teacher camp or I'll throw in um, a Latin rhythms camp that's only three days, you know, but I, I've right. never done a whole season that's specific. It's usually because I'm kind of the general drum teacher guy. So a lot of it's like, well, let's just find your imbalances between fills, grooves, independence, hand speed, foot speed, and fix those things over the course of a week. But every day during camp this year, we've had a recording class. And so many people during that class have said, man, I wish there was just a whole week of this because it's not it's not really the recording. It's them being out on the kit with a producer for the first time. It's mm-hmm. me talking you know, through the headphones to them and saying, you got to stop hitting that crash. Or a lot of times it might be just like, hey, I asked you to do a really specific kick drum pattern and you keep changing it. I just need this. And that yeah. growth, not even when they're on the kit, but when they're in the seats watching another student on the kit. Um, so I, a lot of people just said, I wish there was a full week of this. So that is happening next year. So I just sent out that video to everybody saying, look, if you don't want this, I fully understand, but this is what it's going to be. It's going to be a week of just focusing on how to make music sound better, feel better, live gig situations. I'm most likely going to bring in my band to jam some covers with them. So they have that interaction with real human beings, a lot of recording, um, and a lot of just listening back. I think that that's one thing that the general artist doesn't want to do is review their own work. They just keep working, but they never Mm -hmm. look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true, man. And like a lot of those things you can't practice on your own, can you? It's not the no. same. Like I know you can set up a recording session and, and record, but it's just not the same. You know, a lot of, especially if they're a member of your website, which they probably are, they've got that side of things covered to a certain extent. They sit there and practice these things, but right. getting in a room with other people and being like, cool, let's, let's give this a take. Like you can't replicate that heart, heart rate anywhere else. You just can't. And it's it's such a it's such a it's hard to say or figure out how I'm crushing this. (laughs) It's a difficult thing to know whether you're going to like it or not. Yeah. I was shocked to find out how much I hated being a session drummer. As soon as I got the opportunity, because when I did it as a teenager with my local band and we're booking our own studio time at, you know, Jerry's garage. I was like, well, I didn't like it because the studio wasn't good enough. And then the next one, when I was 17, I didn't like it because of this isn't my genre. And then doing major labels. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I just I just didn't like it because they're using an SM57 on the bottom snare. And that's not my jam. <laughs> no way. At some point, I was like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I don't <laughs> like it because, one, I'm not any good at it. And two, this isn't my thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's funny, like even as a a fan of drums from a a fan's point of view, not from a drummer's point of view, when I'm helping my students record, it's, it's a little hypocritical because I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying that I would crush this track. What I'm saying is I listen to music all the time and I love music and I'm listening to you play this and you're getting in the way of the song. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm better suited to be a producer when it comes to session drumming than I am to being the drummer. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean, but 
I'm sure you, I mean, you record every single day. You make videos. So like you do know what you're doing and there is a big, you know, you know how to hit the drum to make it sound good on a recording. That's a whole different thing. Like if you've never really recorded before, we joke about it all the time on this podcast. Like, you know, you'll get a terrible sounding drum in the room and then you record with it and it sounds amazing. And it's like, that's the biggest thing when it comes to recording. I think it's like, you can tell when someone's recorded before. They don't need to be the most technical, the most like choppy, drummer out there they just know how to hit a drum in order for it to sound good on the other side and that just comes with time and like you said mate i'm I'm not surprised everyone everyone wants to do that and just sit there and record and get used to recording under pressure and get creative as well because the the hardest thing that i found about sort of session work even though i love it i flipping love it is balancing being creative under being uh, uh, whilst being under pressure do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's a hard thing to do. Like totally being creative, come up with coming up with new ideas, but then also remembering, okay, was it the chorus next? Uh, I'm not too sure. Oh, I've missed my opportunity. Do you know what I mean? It's it's really hard. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it comes down to who you're working with. You know, if you're working, I had a producer that was, um, you know, he's done Imagine Dragons, Green Day, Bush, everything. Um, and he was like my uncle. And when I, when I worked with him, I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, he's going to replace me at any point. Even if it it took a whole day to do a tune in a very expensive studio, he was my uncle and he knew where I was at the time. I was honestly trying to become a session drummer. Mm -hmm. So he really took me under his wing as like, all right, like I'm, I'm going to be very harsh with you, but it's because I'm preparing you for what's ahead. That's so different than, oh, we just hired Terry date because he did the Deftones. So now it's it's my first time ever working with him and he's used to working with Abe Cunningham and I don't know how quick Abe gets a track done. And then you're trying to impress the producer because maybe the producer will give you more gigs. It's it's a very weird <laughs> dynamic. Professional recording is a weird thing, man. It, it really is. Yeah, and, it, and you nailed it. Like if you don't know the producer or like... um or the artist, it's it's a very, very weird thing. It's a it's an emotional roller coaster. It's like doing yeah. a clinic in a way because you don't know if they're enjoying it or not. Like in a clinic situation, it's not like a gig. Everyone's right. not like, woo throwing t-shirts up in the air and like standing <laughs> up and going crazy. Totally. It's, you can't, it's hard to read if they're enjoying it. And it's the same kind of thing in a in a recording session because they're so focused on music even if they are enjoying it they're still thinking they're not there necessarily like it's not like spinal tap where they're you know smoking a joint and having a beer right. going Woo-hoo! they're thinking it's about not, the music <laughs> it's not the video that they show of the recording like when they do the behind the scenes with dua lipa it's like i'm sorry this was recorded six months after the single you're lying this yeah. isn't the session the session yeah. would have been with so much more confusion and like i don't know should we do the course for eight more bars it's never like the producer gets on talk back mic and goes that's banging dua that never happens i know exactly unless the producer's scared of being fired but usually i remember the way that we were doing it because pro tools was fairly new some people were still recording on tape and even later into my recording some people just preferred to record on tape but it would always be this checklist of like all right let's run through the song once with the scratch tracks or whatever, so that I can write down the form. This is the producer saying this. Mm-hmm. And then he would just have a checkbox. Like, and he would literally get on the talk back and say, All right, we've got intro, verse one, and chorus three. I'm still looking for verse two, chorus two, chorus one, and the bridge. And it's like, All right, take another pass. And then he just would go until he had all of his boxes checked. And he's like, Cool, I have enough to cut up one song now. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Okay. So is that good? <laughs> and he's like, Well, it's not bad. You know, like those yeah, are the yeah, compliments. Yeah. Like uh, basically yeah. they're saying you should be able to do this in one take. Yeah. But I mean, because I mean, you're a moron, you can't. Tape. Oh, yeah. heck. Talk about yeah, anxiety. Like Woo. that's that's crazy, man. Like you see a lot of art, artists and bands come out now and they're like, oh yeah, we did, we did the whole album to tape. And you're like, no you didn't you're lying there's you no lying. way you, you are lying there's oh no way on earth you all played perfectly from note to note start to no finish way. and you and it, no one can it, afford that now surely you think i don't know about your two tape plugin i know which you know like it's like some long german word half and feischer plugin like i got you i know what you did Ah, <laughs> uh, well uh, let's talk about some recordings you and i are 
going to share some of our favorite all-time drum parts with each other. Can't wait I am for this. very excited about this. I love sharing this stuff with you. I also love sharing it with our audience. And I love what it triggers for people to go down rabbit holes, discover new artists, rediscover old artists. Uh, and it's, it's just awesome. So we'll start with you, buddy. I've got, you labeled them perfect for me. I've got example one, example 2A, and example 2B. There we go, mate. There we go. And, and also, there is a cheeky fade at the start and at the end. I said I retract my statement. I, okay. I, I don't know if there's some at the start. <laughs> okay. Well, if, it start, if the song starts at the start, I don't need a fade. But okay. I will tell you this. 94 episodes in, I'm not even proud of you anymore. I expect it. <laughs> exactly. Just, you're a professional podcaster. We are, mate. All right. We are. So you want to start with example one? Yeah. This is a belter. You're now, are you setting this up or am I just press and play? Just press play. You got Everyone it. will know. <laughs> Come on. Unbelievable. Okay, so obviously the groove is just amazing. We're gonna hit. We're gonna hit. We're gonna play it again straight off the bat. Like the groove is so good. Like the way, like the way in which it flows is amazing. But I also love the the, the reason why I left the second half in is because he builds with a little few, a few more splashes and a few extra notes on the hi hat. And I just yeah. that album is sensational for drum sounds and drum parts. Unbelievable. That whole groove, man. No, no one would have come up with that in the in the in the in the session. Everyone would have just gone. Dum, ka, dum, ka, dum, ka, dum, ka. No one would have thought about moving that snare closer uh, and yeah. then behind. Oh, mate, I love it. The, the displaced fun. snare stuff and it not being a James Brown loop. You know, you can go boom, ka, ba do ba dum, ka, dum, ka, and we repeat boom, ka, <laughs> yeah, 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 ka. He, it, it has a sense of flow to it because of that. I mean, I can send you some very shaky video footage of me sound checking that song with Limp Biscuit. Yeah, we were out on the road with that on that tour, and I remember just I didn't even want to play the groove. I didn't want because I, you know, it's like I don't. It's not a loop, John. And he's like, <laughs> "No, nah, man, you just feel it." I'm like, "Well, I don't." So. Um, <laughs> If, if you could just write it out for me, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> but all I want to do was play that snare. That was that 50-ply OCDP oh. snare, and he just had it cranked. But it's weird because when you crank a snare that tight, generally it becomes like a timbali. It, it It's like, quing! And he yeah. wasn't using a ton of... I mean, I don't even know if there were gels at the time. There was probably just tape. But he wasn't using a bunch of that stuff. It was that 50-ply OCDP snare it just choked itself out and became this thing. And it's, you know, at that time you had Chad Sexton from 311 who was getting all of the resonance from a really cranked snare. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad Smith had his thing going on with the chili peppers. He had his own snare tone. Uh, there were a few others that really had unique snare tones. Obviously we played the one from Aaron Comez from the spin doctors, but when you listen to John Otto, man, it it's hard to, I wish Limp Biscuit wasn't, Limp Biscuit, honestly. I, I wish they weren't thought of as a silly band because I'm telling you from being on the road with them for well over a year, I've, I mean, they were, they were so good. Like watching mm. Wes soundcheck, he's a legit high end guitar player. Yeah. Watching Sam bass check, he can play his ass off. Cause I used to think, like, dude, you have lights on your frets. Do you not know where the notes are? And mm. I was like, oh, never mind. You're a, a, a phenomenal bass player. Um, even Fred, like doing his thing, watching how professional he was, watching him be the one in charge of merch and everything business-wise that was going on. And then just John Otto, watching him play every night and just, you know, I, I don't think there was a single night that I stayed on the bus 
and didn't instead sit right next to his drum riser and just watch him and just be like, yeah. Whoever says this band sucks or this guy sucks, they they just don't know enough. I don't I don't think that this is a pretty bold statement, but I don't think there's ever been a more original rock band to come out since Limp Biscuit. I genuinely uh, genuinely don't. Like they I would are say so yeah, I mean, original. Because how do you not how do you do the rappy thing with a rock band and not be considered a wannabe version of Rage Against the Machine? Mm-hmm, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it was at that same time with like corn was going dark, stained was dark, everyone was going dark. I feel like Kid Rock kind of got the like the spillover of like what are you trying like people didn't really get it. Um, mm-hmm. The Detroit thing and what he was trying to do, and it was it's like, are, wait, is this a joke or are you serious about this? Because it seems like you're serious. And it was like, no, he was. He was a very serious artist to himself, you know. But it just it it didn't quite hit the way it. But with Limp Biscuit, I mean, that's the thing that's kind of funny. It's almost like the Nickelback thing where people say like, oh, Nickelback's the worst band ever. I'm like, are you one of the 26 billion people that bought their album? Mate, I I, I don't understand have... how they went diamond if everyone hates them. How <laughs> do you sell have... 100 million albums if everyone hates you? <laughs> I that makes no Nickelback's sense. Nickelback's back. Nickelback's back to the day Nickelback's I die. Oh, there my. Mate, oh, why didn't I use one of Nickelback's tunes? There's a song, I should have used it for the drum parts. I'll use it next time we do this. It is unbelievable. And I think you're right. Like the, the beautiful thing about Limp Biscuit and also Nickelback is like they appeal to the masses, but they're also like a musician's band. Like, you listen yeah. to those parts and you're like, oh my God, like there's 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 a deeper lev- level to this. And you listen again, 100%. you find something new. And it's like, it's it's amazing, man. Mate, listeners, go back and listen to that whole entire album. Um, chocolate yeah. what is it chocolate chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water it's one of the best albums of all time in my opinion so good it's so good if that you I get over the title. yeah <laughs> my favorite all of, um okay <laughs> screw it i'm not even gonna try <laughs> i literally just choked on my bottom lip um but <laughs> if you get over the fact that it's limp biscuit and the visuals and the mtv colorful world that that was and just listen i mean especially even if you just listen to the drum parts, I mean, yeah. John Otto definitely deserves to be up there when we talk about great drum part writers for sure. So definitely. I am a fan. All right. Are you ready for something? Let's do it, mate. Okay. Yes, mate. So I'll give you, you get two options here. One okay. will just feed your drummer soul and you'll be like, Doom! the other one will kind of bend your mind a little bit. What would you like to start with? Um, bend my mind. You got okay. it. Here we bend go. Bend my bloody mind. And make sure you groove to it when it comes in. Feel it. so who is that so that band is called brotherly i'm trying to find um the bass player from that band is actually still very very active that's that's pretty old that was kind of like one of those youtube things in the early days where you Mm -hmm. you had to cover that song if you wanted to be taken seriously um so the song is called system the band is called brotherly and there he is um malarkey on bass Robin Malarkey is the bass player. It's a duo. Robin Malarkey is on bass. I think he's the s- songwriter. And then there's a female singer. Um, so it's, but man, yeah. that modulation from 4-4 four, four to 3-4. Mm. And, you know, if you, if you struggle to hear where things are for our listeners out there, basically the groove has this feel on the top of it of one and a two and a three and a one and a two and a three and a one. And then the snare is on the uh of two the first time and then on three so the displacement is one and a two and a three and a one and a two and a three and a one and a two and a three. one two three 
one, two, three. That's hard to do. One, yeah. two, three. One, two, three. So it's got this really cool. And then underneath that, the bass room's going one E and a two E and a three E and a one E and a two E and a three E and a. So there's so much going on. But I just love the intro. I love the bending from like, oh, this is a simple R&B groove. And then all of a sudden, it just bends you into this place where you're like, what just happened? And they mm-hmm. do it by just slowly displacing things one measure at a time until finally it's gone from 4-4 four, four to 3-4. It's a really yeah. cool thing. I love that. Um, so it's yeah, very... Brotherly is the group. And that album is fantastic. The whole album is odd time and just playing with rhythms and stuff, but with really catchy R&B vocals. <clears throat> I was going to say, like, that's that's a hard thing to do, mate. Balance, like, being technical and, like, displacing stuff, but also being yeah. musical. I think that's what Meshuggah do very well. I think most yeah. of Meshuggah's tracks actually are just standard 4-4. It's just displacing stuff or whatever. But, yeah, yeah I, I love music where um, it's smart, but also just catchy. That I've, I've written that down, mate. I, I really like that. Really like that. Yeah, it's a it's a cool thing for sure. And uh and the whole song does all of these little modulations, you know, when they have the bass drum doing the one and a two and a three and eventually at some point boom, chick, boom, chick, but it's still one and a two yeah. and yeah. but they're modulating into the groove. So there's a lot of things that come out of this. You know, I've been saying for a while now with the campers and on the website that the gateway to growth generally for me from my past came from music it of course i studied out of books and i had private teachers and i bought dvds and all of that but the biggest chunks of growth i have came from a song that i couldn't play and i just did whatever it took to be able to play that song so sometimes that gave me hand speed because i couldn't keep up with it physically Mm -hmm. sometimes it gave me foot speed and sometimes like this i just had to go like i i can't figure i can't even jam to this I don't even know where one is, you know, and then it's like, all right, well, someone does. So mm-hmm. if if someone else can do it, so can I. And I would just sit down in my room and just be like, okay, there's got to be a start over point somewhere. And it's really cool. It's like unraveling a mystery, you know? Um, yeah. Sometimes you're doing it on your own. Go ahead. Exactly. I was going to say, sometimes I don't want to ask my drum teacher like, hey, what is this? It's like, no, I've got to unravel this because one once i've unraveled this mystery then i can create this mystery for others in my future bands and i've definitely done that you know as soon as you learn um any song that where the music doesn't start on the one but because there's no reference to the count in it is the one for you until the drums come in and then you realize how off you were yeah um yeah i love <laughs> those i love weird. those tracks they're the it's- best and the worst because you're like <laughs> you hear doom doom bag it damn bo do go doom but they felt it as don't beg it to gang a doo yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 that's, that's a good track and, mate that's a very good track i like that one well a lot. speaking of that let's move on to example 2a okay cool all right so before we get into this one there's 2a and 2b 2a is just the first verse of the same track and then 2b is the second verse and this is paramore and this is on their self-titled um album and this is elon rubin so this, and, I was going to say, this is who's playing. This is Elon yeah, Rubin. This um, album is—it's got to be one of my favorite fa- favorite albums for drum sounds and drum parts. I think he is—I was going to say underrated, but everyone knows he's amazing. But like, he's just yeah. a true like artist, mate. Like everything he puts out is just so cool. Um, and and this is the perfect perfect example of like progressing, but not doing it too much, like keeping it going up, keeping keeping people's attention, keeping people excited, but not changing it all too much. But anyway, yeah, let's give it let's give it a listen. You got it. It's 
a great fade out. It's it's a fade out. There we go. Um, but yeah, so that's like the um, so that's like a verse, and then the pre, and it goes back to the 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 uh, verse again. But I love. I love grooves like that, mate. When it's like, it's still a groove, but it's, you're, you're incorporating the toms. I'd never really part. do it that much. And it's just such a nice little subtle change. In, in you got to be really confident. If you're <laughs> grooving and you you're do. about to, to take that left hand and go all the way under your right arm to get to that rack tom, yeah. you got to be really confident. <laughs> you do. You do, man. And it's also just got like... It's yeah, to make that work is really, really, really tough. And I, I, I love that. Like I love grooves where it starts like on the snare and then the second time around it's on the floor. So I'm like doom, doom, yeah. it's cool, man. Um and the second part of this is just a really nice contrast between what he was doing in the first verse and the pre and the second verse. Okay, so between these two parts we've had a chorus. Uh that the chorus is like the chorus hasn't been hasn't is not in this clip, basically. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. I'm just saying now we're coming back oh, after the yeah. chorus. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Got exactly. it. Okay. Yeah. There's just so much history in his drumming. When you listen to his drumming, you hear his love for Stuart Copeland from The Police. You hear his love for John Bonham. Uh, you just hear it's it's funny when you watch someone in sports that knows the history of their sport. They play it with a different depth. Yeah. They know the angles. They know everything about it. instead of a hot shot. That's like, yeah, I've never heard of Pele. Give me that soccer ball. It's like yeah. okay, well, I'm sure you're very cool. But this cat that studied the game is when it comes to the moment, he or she is going to destroy you. Yeah. And I feel like Elon is that he's that package deal of like has studied the history of our instrument, cares about the people that came before him, but also s- stands on their shoulders and creates something new and original. By the way, that snare tone. damn, May, honestly, like this, this whole album is just like it. It's an album that makes you want to go play the drums after listening to it. Um, and also, like what I love about his playing, there's just there's it's just so musical. Like all those tom hits, like yeah. they fit and they work perfectly. There's melody to them. There's melody to what he's playing. There's purpose behind what he's playing. I guess that's because he plays, you know, a lot of other instruments and sings and you know plays guitar and bass and keys and whatnot. But yeah, yeah it's just like you said, his playing it's just rich. Like you can hear it in what he's playing. It's like he does this all day, all night every single day every single night and it just you feel it when you listen to the record and it i love the contrast of those two parts like going double time in the second part yeah but still keeping the toms in there but in between oh mate i love it man it's it's such a good such a good album so that song was called daydreaming by paramore and that's on the self-titled album do you know how long ago that was um i mate, i don't actually i think it was a what oh 2013 dog give that snare some credit for two because people are still sampling that Mm. you know what i mean like people are chasing that snare tone that snare sounded fantastic but i hope that wasn't i don't mind when people bring in some samples to support drumming Mm -hmm. but i don't like just drum replacement because i like to think that elon is actually that consistent with his snare hits Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that he you can only get that snare tone when you hit the drum the way that he does with two B's or whatever the hell that man plays with. I want to know that that's how it goes down. But man, like there's so much to get into there. Like obviously you have the Tom hits. I think the, the Tom hits in the first verse were um, almost like part of the song itself. In the second verse, they were just color. Like they, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. this thing that was exact, exact. And then, but, but those hi hat little, Shigga the boobs, my god! I know. I know, mate. It's it's ridiculous, and also those toms in the second part are like a reference to the first half. It's like, oh, they're still here. We just we've just sort of changed a little bit. Now we're in double time. Exactly, mate. I, honestly, man, that album is sensational, man. Like, I love doing these 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 uh drum parts, mate, because it just yeah. it makes me go back and be like, okay, what? And nothing about that is. I mean, it is technical. It is hard to do, and it is hard to make. You know, it's hard to make. But it's not fusion. Good, exactly. 
But um, it just goes to show, man, like just the 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 hours and the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into recording and and doing all that. It just shines through records, mate. I love yeah. it. It's yeah. I want to play drums now, man. Um, so and what I, you, what have you got? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not even done with Elon. I, I also don't know why I just made him like some random glorious Frenchman. I, I'm not done with Elon. Um, but, <laughs> he's so celebrated. But uh, I, I think that w- imagine being a producer that didn't produce that. And you're like, oh, yeah, I heard there's a new Paramore album out. And you're driving around as a producer listening to that. But you know you've got a session coming up pretty soon with a rock artist. Then they're not set on their drummer. How could you not ask, hey, track down who played drums on this? This mm-hmm. is what I want. This is this is it because it's as rock steady as a drum machine loop, yet it's as free as a human playing fusion. It's it's got like it breathes. It does, mate. That's that's the key. And I, I really hope not to sound like an old cynical, like bitter man, but like I really hope we keep that true and consistent within rock yeah. music. Because like I know a lot of albums that come out now and it's just done on get good drums on the computer. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's if that works for your music and your sound. But I do think like that's where session playing like comes session. Like if you're, if that's Elon Rubin, right? He's not looked upon as a session player. He's looked upon as an artist. And I think that's where you can be a session player and like not ever feel like, Oh, I'm just filling in or I'm just, I'm just recording drums for another band. Like they've got you for your sound and your playing and your vibe. And yeah, I really hope Travis is like that too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, artists love having Travis on the track because it's going to sound different with Travis playing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, that it's it's rare. And I'm so happy that we have people like Elon, Ruben, Elon. Uh, because <laughs> by Fabergé, <laughs> I'm happy that we have that still instead of being like, oh, back in the day, we had J.R. Robinson and we had, you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, Matt Chamberlain. It's like, we still have that right now. This guy's getting paid to do it and he's killing it. I mean, the new angels or the newest angels and airwaves album. He sounds phenomenal on that. Oh thing. my God. You showed me that actually. I think you showed yeah. me that in, um, when we were doing the podcast or mate, we need to get for the hundredth episode. We need to get Elon on the podcast. Oh, how we great need- would it be just to spend an entire hour asking him how he says his name? Oh, that'd be Is amazing, it Elan? And then Is to still Ellen? get it wrong at the end. Oh yeah. Thanks Absolutely. Elon. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I never say any F1 drivers names out loud because I, I don't I only listen to British podcasts. So I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to be the guy that does the accent just for this one thing. <laughs> All right. Here is our final drum part. Now, this drum part opened the doors for everybody. Everyone. This is by the way, this is 2009. So 2009, the the gospel thing was popping off. Everyone was talking about gospel drumming. Yet no one that was talking about gospel drumming owned a gospel album. <laughs> they just talked about gospel drumming. They didn't want the music. Get rid of the band. Get rid of the choir. <laughs> I just need the drummer. You can maybe have the bass player hang out for a bit, but I don't need anything else. Um, and I also, at that same time, was always hearing like, um, you know, you've you got to check out Mint Condition. Mike Stokely's the singer, but he's also a fantastic drummer. And I would get the albums and it was all kind of R&B drum machines of the of the early 2000s and I was like I don't get why everyone tells me that I have to check this out it's it you know it it was right in line with all of the stuff at that time that was drum machines I was like yeah this this just doesn't really do it for me then they did a live DVD from the 930 club and they had a drummer so from what I understand their drummer couldn't make it to the show. So Mike Stokely is the singer, frontman. He also happens to be a fantastic drummer. But Chris Dave was their drummer, Chris Daddy Dave. He couldn't do the show. I think maybe he was out on tour with Maxwell at the time. And so they got Eric Trebet. Um, And when I first heard this, this was the candy that we were all looking for inside music that was really good. And this became... The thing. So, for all of you out there that remember going through that time of YouTube where you were being introduced to new stuff, and then all of a sudden Instagram came around five, six years later, and this groove was in every every video that had like fifty thousand views had this same kind of groove. This is where it all started. So, this is Pretty Brown Eyes by Mint Condition. Oh. Uh-huh. 
Loving that one. That doesn't cool. sound like a clinic. <laughs> no, no, that was a full show. But just that. Love that. It, you know, very, very cool stuff. So that, you know, and I, I'm, I remember when that came out, seeing all the comments on YouTube of R&B fans. It was R&B fans versus drummers. Everyone in the R&B world, like, and I'm talking average fan was like that drummer just ruined a beautiful song and mm-hmm. every drummer was like this is the best song ever yeah yeah, and, yeah yeah you know i think over time we've found a balance of it's okay to go a little bananas by yourself on instagram you're recording by yourself you're making drum videos but we also have to find the responsibility of making the song feel good the one thing i will say about that is that guy didn't just give that a go that night the singer is a drummer. The singer probably heard that in rehearsals. Was like, "Yeah, go for it. I love it. All mm-hmm. good." Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't want people thinking that that drummer just made a snap decision. He was going to play pocket, then he's like, "You know what? I'm feeling thirty second notes through the whole entire verse." Could you um, imagine that? Oh, but you know what? It just it works. Yeah, it does. So. That's some decent drum parts. That's some that 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 yeah. That's some very decent. I'm like. I'm excited I'm sh- right now. I'm struggling to say, I'm, I'm just about to say, look, can we wrap this up so I can go play drums? Do you know I what I mean? Know. Let's, let's, I just, let's just wrap this up. Um, but well, yeah, mate, that's a, a beautiful drum part, man. I um, One of my favorite things is R&B and like pop music with live drummers, man. There's, there's yeah. just something so good about a live band playing pop and R&B and, accentu- and accentuating like stabs and vocal melodies and oh mate i love it yeah and the arrangements are different i Uh think that it should be a requirement by the food and drug administration or whoever governs music i think it should be a requirement that if you are going to go tour with a live band you have to make an album with that band you get to put out your set you know call it the studio album and then but you got to make the live album because you guys went to all the hassle to learn these songs with these new arrangements with horn parts with background vocals with stabs mm-hmm. why don't you record that i know i know i i always listen to the live if i see like a, a pop artist and they've got like a live album i always listen to that i do the totally. classic that's me playing that's me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how i do it yeah it's a bit of a daydream that's that's exactly yeah. me yeah yeah spicy i could do that i could do that mate that last roof's fully stuck in my head that's you want to hear it one more time? Yeah, go on. Yeah, that's good. Come on. And those stabs are so tight. Do you think that's the click or no? No. I don't know. It, it shucks and jives a little bit. It's got some movement. Pretty brown eyes. You know I see it. It's a disguise. The way you treat me. Hold on. Well, the little rolls in between the second time round. Yeah. And that's verse one. Verse two, he literally loses his shit. <laughs> Excuse my language. But he, he just goes in. And it is, it is epic. So that's, uh, if you're looking for, so that song was a hit in the early 2000s, but it is. Is it really that, that different? It's so different. And so. Wow. And, but, you know, they toured a lot. They had Chris Dave on drums and it, their live shows were legendary. So that is Mint Condition, Pretty Brown Eyes. And that's from Live from the 930 Club. So if you're looking for the album or whatever, it's called Live from the 930 Club. Um, and it's it's pretty filthy. Wow. All well, right. Fun, you and I had a, a theme for this episode 40 minutes ago. So <laughs> <laughs> the actual Wait. theme of the episode is going to be a little shorter than the sidetrack. <laughs> Um, but the theme, the thing that you and I talked about was basically, well, why don't you explain it? Cause you're the one that brought the idea to me. Yeah. So I, um, I was listening to another podcast, not that I stole this idea. Well, maybe, maybe a little bit. Let's go with borrowed. Yeah, we borrowed it. Um, 
I, and I'm the basically the guy I was talking about when he felt like he had made it as a professional in whatever craft he was doing. I can't remember. So it got me thinking about like out of all the things that I've done or or things that Mike have, have has done. Like when did it really sink in that we were doing this for a profession? And I think like it's really interesting because for me it never has. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I I think maybe for you it hasn't either. It's just this sort of like. There's never one thing that makes you think, oh, I've sort of made it for one. But second of all, it's like, okay, um, well, actually there is a moment where I thought, actually, I'm now a professional musician. And that was when I was doing the sort of five seconds of summer music and, and recording those drum tracks. And that was when I was like, okay, this is this is crazy. But it was only in the moment. It was only like, whilst I was actually recording, I thought, okay, I'm I'm... I'm now a professional drummer, aren't I? If I'm getting paid to play on other people's records. But the beautiful thing and why I sort of sort of thought of the idea of this whole concept was that like I think there's something really beautiful and magical within within it, which is like there never is like this sort of moment where everything makes sense and everything comes together at the most perfect time. It's just this thing of like you're obsessed, you're passionate about something. And over the years and years and years of just doing it and doing it and doing it, you slowly just, it just becomes you and it becomes who you are and what you're doing. And I love that. I love that like, it just, it just happens naturally. And, and you find yourself in these situations and those situations that you looked, to, looked upon as a younger version of yourself, like, oh my God, could you imagine being in the studio recording this artist or doing this project? It's, it's just the norm and it's what you do. And I think there's something really beautiful within that. And also like, you know, when I was recording those tracks, which was pretty big for me, it was just like recording drum tracks for my own band. There wasn't like this, oh, I don't deserve to be here. I don't know what I'm doing. It was just like, I'm just doing what I do. Um, so yeah, it made me think about, you know, when when did we feel like we were professional drummers? Well, let me ask you about that just a little bit because I think that most people at home will probably never have the opportunity to record for a major artist like Five Seconds to Summer or whoever it is. So first of all, how does something like that come up? I'm assuming it's not that someone heard you jamming at home while they were walking their dog and then just was like, you sound good. Would you like to be on a hit record? <laughs> so is it I just through like contact? I know. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, no. um, Do you have a symbol endorsement? You don't? I'm Bobby <laughs> Zildjian. <laughs> hey, Bobby. Bobby. Um, uh. So yeah, that, that, that session came around because it was just like a, a, a normal sort of you know, like it was a, I can't describe it really, but it, it was just a thing that happened because we ended up in a studio with this producer who had just written songs for everyone and done huge recordings. And we ended up there because we were writing with him and recording demos for LTA, my band. So we, uh, we got put in there because the lady at Island Records wanted us to work with this producer, went in, demoed like two songs or something within a day or it might have been two days I can't quite remember but at the end of the session I literally just said there was no business card there was like nothing right. too formal I literally just said if you ever need a drummer for anything mate just just let me know I'd love to I'd love to like yeah. record and that was it it was like I'd love to just record it wasn't like oh I'd love to I'd love to get my foot in the door in, in the in the professional session world it was more right. just like mate, if you need anyone, just give me a shout. I'm only down the road and I love recording and I love, you know, writing parts. And and that's how it came about. I literally got an, an email a couple of, maybe a month or so later being like, do you want to come in and record for these artists? I've got like a couple of demos that I need drums on. And it went from there. And, and that's what I mean about like, I was just doing my thing, man. I was just right. recording drums for my band. And then the next thing I know, I'm in this position. So it came from that. Uh, it just literally came from just working with a producer and just, asking wow. him in a non-businessy way like if you ever need anyone man, i love recording so i'd love for you to hit me up and, and it's i think from i think that also has to be genuine on on all angles as far as you do have to love recording i remember asking my producer you know people that i was working with during i i really lucked out in the fact that being in a signed band and maybe this is how it happened with lta but when you're in a signed band, you start working with legit producers because you have the funding to do so. And the label forces you to like, no, yeah. you can't use your guy from Sacramento. You're coming to L.A. and you're going to use a real producer that's done this. Yeah. that can handle more than eight faders. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, I'm sure your guy is great, but he's not coming. By the way, OK, the I'm sure your guy is great. 
all the way back to your first track. Little tangent. So we do our opening night with Limp Biscuit. So it's us stained Limp Biscuit. That's the order. Three bands. We do our sound check. Mm-hmm. Fred Durst comes up to us after the sound check and he goes, "Your sound guy needs to stay at the hotel tonight." And we we're like, "What?" And he's like, "I don't. He, you guys sounded really bad. This is an arena. He cannot handle the board." You're going to use our guy for the next week until you find a, a professional sound guy, but you're going to have to tell your sound guy he has to go home. Wow. How was that conversation? <laughs> that was the worst like drive in our little 1987 Eagle tour bus back to the hotel to be like, um, and his name, well, I'm not going to use his name, but let's say his <laughs> name was Bobby. Uh, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we love you. Uncle Fred's not down. <laughs> it was the worst. But I will say this. We never sounded better than that week where we got to use Limp Biscuit's sound guy. Oh, my God. I um, bet, mate. I bet your sound Our sound checks were like- amazing. Oh, it was unbelievable. And then he'd be like, all right, looks like we got you dialed in. Let's take a spin on half of a song. And he dropped the volume by half. And that was how we had to play to the crowd. The you classic. Understand. Yeah, yep, the classic. You understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. can we use the subs? Sorry, we had to turn 18 of the subs off for your <laughs> stupid little band, you opener. So anyways, um, I, I'm not sidetracked. I know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> okay, let me let me ask, because I'm genuinely, and this is why I sort of thought about this whole thing of like, okay, when did it feel like you you were a professional or does it not just... When was the mo- was there a moment for you when it was like okay I'm 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 doing this I'm I'm an actual professional and this this shows and proves that I am like when was there a moment or was there not yeah there was literally like an actual like a like a, a second a minute a moment um, so all of the recording stuff nope did not feel professional um, I I mean I just knew that I wasn't as good at it. As the people that were doing it, but I mm-hmm. also knew that I didn't have the potential to be good at it, which was the scary part. I've I've sucked. I sucked at teaching, but I knew like I've got potential. I know I can do this. I just need more hours. When I tracked in sessions, I was like, I don't I don't have the potential to do this because I don't care to be better at this. And that's when it was like, uh oh, I thought that was my dream. The touring thing was never my dream. The session drummer thing, I bought every book that was like, how to be a drummer on a cruise ship. Perfect. I'd, and I'd learn all the cruise ship charts. I worked really hard at it. And then when I got the opportunity to do it on the grandest scale, I didn't enjoy the process. So I was like, oh, crap, we're in trouble. So I didn't feel like it then. Then the touring thing, I never felt like it because it wasn't what I wanted to tour in. I was kind of in the wrong genre. I was doing this thing. You know, we were good at it, but it was like, I'm listening to Sting. I'm listening to Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, Alanis Morissette. Like, I wanted to be Taylor Hawkins with Alanis Morissette. Let me be the rock drummer in the pop band. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel like it then. Teaching, I felt, you know, private teaching. I felt like, well, I'm good at this, but I still don't think this is professional drumming because I'm just the local drum teacher here in my local town. Mm -hmm. Then things started to happen as a clinician. Still felt the imposter syndrome for a very long time. Um, started to get on the cover of magazines, still felt, I was like, I feel like these magazines are confused. I actually don't feel like there's anyone at the magazine that thinks I belong on the cover. I think they're scared to miss out on the next big thing, like this online drumming revolution. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, let's make sure we have our bases covered. So six years from now we can say, oh, we did put Mike Johnston on the cover. We knew back then, but I never felt like uh, in the interviews, they were like, so what do you do again? I'm like, uh. I teach. They're like, I guess it's on people's computers. And I was like, oh my God, you seem like you're mad at me. Like, <laughs> you asked me to be on the cover. So if you open your phone now, you will see the moment I sent you a text. So the moment for me was... Oh, yeah. I was on the cover of Drum. I was on the cover of Rhythm, uh, Drummer UK. But it wasn't until I got asked to be on the cover of Modern Drummer magazine and the title that they wrote that I didn't know about. Um, and the title was Redefining Drum Hero. And mm. I was like, what are you talking about? So the moment for me wasn't that. It was opening my mailbox at my home and my subscription for Modern Drummer showed up that I'd been subscribed to since I was six years old. And I was on the cover 
And it was the first time I actually took it in. The, all the other ones, I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. But I, mm-hmm. I don't think they even know what I do. The interview was actually with, um, I'm thinking it might not have, no, it wasn't with Mike Dawson because we were actually friends at the time. We weren't doing a podcast or anything, but we were friends. And so I don't think he wanted to do it. Um, but I just remember the guy that was interviewing me seemed genuinely interested in what I was doing and actually believed that I was onto something where all the other ones, it was great, but they, it was too soon. I felt like mm-hmm. all the other covers that happened were too soon. Yeah. That one was the one where I was like, okay, this is the first time Modern Drummer has ever put a drum teacher on their cover in the history of their magazine. Now that's they've mad. put people that teach, but that's all I do. Um, wow. And so that was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm in it now. Like now I have to live up to it. So it was a moment of arrival, but also it came with a lot of pressure. Like, yeah, I bet. I bet. But you know, it, it was crazy. What I was interested in, I mean, mate, that's, that's amazing, man. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's a pretty, well, it's a very good cover. Like the way it looks. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like you, you see some covers and you're like, bro, do you know I'm, how relieved <laughs> I was that it wasn't like neon green writing and, <laughs> You know, just I was it's like, a, it's a good like. Even now, if they put that out now, you would be like, "Yep, print." Happy. Totally. There, I'm. There's nothing that I'm embarrassed about with that. Very, very good. <laughs> very good. This this bit's going on on Instagram, mate. Here we go. Just so they can see. Boom, boom. Shake the room. Um, but oh, mate, wow. you know what's really interesting? What what was the lead up to that like? Like, were you thinking in a business sense? Were you going okay? Nope. If I do this, if I do that, it will get to, get me to this point. No, Modern Drummer was unattainable, Um, 100% unattainable. I actually had a business mentor maybe four or five years before that happened that I went to and I said, I want to be featured in Modern Drummer Magazine, not the cover. Like They're never going to feature a drum teacher on their cover, but I want to be featured in Modern Drummer Magazine. And it was like the greatest business lesson I ever got in my entire life. And he said, and this guy uh, ran a TV station and did a lot of big things in our area. He was taking conga lessons from me at the time. And he goes, okay, do you want me to help you with that? Because he knew, basically, I was reaching out to him, like, do you know a PR person that could mm-hmm. help me get featured in this magazine? Um, as And I wanted to be featured as the guy that owned the drum lab. I owned the only drum school in Sacramento, California. And he was like, okay, I can help you with that if you want. But let's talk through this. What happens when they feature you? I was like, uh, it'll get a lot of attention from my business. And he's like, yes, it will for a month. And they will be done with you. They gave you, they threw you a bone. They're never coming back. Mm. Why don't you, if you're a teacher, why don't you reach out to them and write for them? If you write for them, if you write lessons in their magazine, you get to be featured every month for the next 20 years. Mm. And I was like, and he's like, and they'll think you're doing them a favor, but you're being featured as like one of the global people to, to take seriously. And I was like, this is why I'm 27 and you're a God. <laughs> like, this is why I still have acne at 27. <laughs> Damn. I was like, that's, yeah, that's genius. You know, and it was mm. like my first lesson in zoom out. You have this very tiny goal, but it could be so much bigger if you just zoom out and look at the big picture. Yeah. Why don't you just have them do the work for you? Why don't you have them feature you as, you know, and then I reached out to drummer, um, rhythm, all, all the magazines in the world, all the Japanese magazines, you know, drum magazines. I reached out to everybody like, hey, and I started writing for everybody, but just lessons. I never did articles. I never did reviews. I only did lessons because that was part of the plan. Become the teacher. And so, so yeah, so that was the lead up. So basically what happened was I did PASIC 2013. And when I got off the stage, um, somebody from Modern Drummer came up like as I'm toweling off and said, do you want to be the... I think it was April or something. Do you want to be the April cover artist of Modern Drummer Magazine? And I, I just started crying. I was like, wow. I, do you remember I, who that was? Do you remember who came up? I to do. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't get along anymore. Um, so I just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I think, I think it was actually, it might've been Mike Dawson because he was kind of <gasps> like my trusted person in the magazine. <laughs> that got me. Uh, oh, flipping um, out. Yeah. We, but no, we I don't, I, I just remember that moment of like, I, almost like disbelief like wait are, am i being punked why did you run out of drummers what's going on here you know there's still that imposter syndrome like who yeah, couldn't yeah, do yeah. it that made you go six people down to me yeah. but anyways that was the moment that from then on from that moment on from opening my mailbox and seeing oh cool there's a new modern drum. oh my god i'm on the cover of it from that mm-hmm. moment on i never thought 
maybe I'm not meant to do this. Maybe I'm not a professional drummer. It was more like a, a thing that I just had to live up to. And it's like, all right, head down, do the work. Let's go. No more bitching, no complaining, no excuses. You've arrived. Like, and no more asking for favors. You're there. Yeah. Yeah, you, you need yeah. to do this. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so it was, it was a, a cool moment. And I think all of us have to have that moment that makes us take ourselves seriously and realize, okay, like people that, I think Limp Biscuit's a, an amazing example. People that get to the, a level of success, it's never an accident. I could not have liked a band less than Limp Biscuit until we toured with them because I just took the easy road out. I'm like, ah, oh, they suck. Why do they suck? Oh, just because they do. Then I went out on the road with them, watched them sound check, watched them prepare every night, watched them practice their instruments. I was like, God dang. Everyone in this band is legit and they care and they're doing this very well. So whoever it is that's arrived at something, especially if there's a longevity to it, if there's a bit of legacy to it, there's a reason. No mm-hmm. one no one can pull the wool over everyone's eyes for too long. You know, mm-hmm. For sure. Man. You might get that one hit wonder for a second, but if somebody's got a career, there's a reason. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what people and, you know, just everyone needs to to remember that, like, just focus on the passion, focus on like what you love to do. And then eventually you'll all end up in that position where you go, ah, oh, I'm here. How did yeah. I get here? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. I think sometimes he, it's as simple as that. Here is so different for so many people. And we have to acknowledge that that maybe that moment of opening your mailbox and seeing that you're on a cover of, you know, the magazine you read as a kid, maybe that moment is, Oh my God, my wife just walked into a bar and I'm the drummer gigging at the bar. Like Mm -hmm. maybe that's your moment. And you've always wanted to be that, like take every, whatever the goal is, they're all valid. They're all equal in value. It's like, well, that's, that's amazing. Maybe the goal was, I just wish somebody could ask me to fill in for them. And I didn't, freak out and I didn't get nervous. And at some point after your 27th gig, somebody says, Hey, is there any way you could just do this cover gig? And you just say, yeah. And that's it. And you don't freak out. And it's like, well, what a beautiful goal to have. Yeah, exactly, man. Mate, amen to that. Mate, we need to do, we need to do more of these drum parts. I know, I know we did a few before, but they're so good, mate. It really does yeah. just inspire you to go play and practice and just want to just focus on just like drumming. Do you know what I mean? And just, just recording, playing, learning, get about, getting better at the instrument. Yeah. Music it, is the gateway, man. Music is, is what reminds us what this instrument is. And that's where, you know, I think both you and I are trying our best to tiptoe around being old men, telling people how it used to be. But it is scary when you see so many people not play with music and or play over music, but not want to be in a band. And it's like, man, music, it's been around since the beginning of humanity. Like mm-hmm. there is something special here. There's something special that hits us. You know, there's no drummer that's too advanced on the planet to not feel something when an entire stadium starts doing the we will rock you chant. Know, you know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly we're all that. still human. We all still feel that. I never think, why isn't this in seven? When someone does, we will rock you. I never think that. I uh, I'm, I'm teaching at that thing I told you about on um on mon or uh, yeah Monday teaching this okay. thing Freddie G's drum camp here in the UK. Yeah, and um, you, you know what the, I find the hardest thing about teaching is that you know let's say someone asks straight away off the bat, how did you get to like the level you're at playing wise, regardless or not if people think it's good or whatever? How did you get to where you are playing wise? I'll go, okay, yeah, let's, I'll show you. And I, in my head, I imagine how this would be sometimes. I just put on Spotify and I play for 10 hours yeah. and I just make a mistake, keep on going, find a new part, loop that, keep on playing that. Like that, that's how I, that's how I did it. I just I, yeah. music, mate. Like, like you said music. at the beginning of the podcast, like I remember learning Offspring million miles away for the first time. I couldn't play yeah. it. But I wanted to, so I just kept on going, kept on going, and that developed my hand speed. So it all it all comes from music, mate, and I and I, and I love that, man. So I might do that on Monday. I might just let everyone take a seat. You've got a coffee, you've got a tea, right? Ten hours. I'm just gonna yeah. play. <laughs> you guys can just leave whenever you want. Come back in. I might be on a whole new genre. Um, I'm just I'm gonna go. I mean, that's I still do Pandora rounds for myself all the time. I type in the name of an artist I know the name of, but I don't know anything about them. You know, mm. like. Uh, whoever like Stormzy I hear you say that sometimes I don't know if that's a country singer 
I don't know if he's a footballer. I don't know what the hell he is. I don't even know if he's a he. Maybe Stormzy's a girl. I don't know. I just keep hearing that name. I type it in. And then whatever Pandora picks for me is what it is. I don't go to Spotify. I don't go to iTunes. Mm-hmm. I let them just shuffle the tracks. And whatever happens, happens. And then right after that, I type in Waylon Jennings. I don't know if he's a NASCAR driver. I just know the name. Yeah. Type it in. Whatever happens, happens. And at some point, you realize, oh, my God, it's all the same. It's yeah. all the same. I know where the core. Like, I've had students go like, dude, I, I chose that song for you tonight. How did you know that that was the bridge? It's like. There's no options, bro. There's no options. It's old. It has to be the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> what are they going to do? Go back to the intro after the second such, chorus? Such a good point. It's like, well, you know, what else is it going to be? <laughs> but yeah, but it, but I obviously want to stay their teacher. So I go. Ah, oh, it's just you know, it's it's a feeling, it's a feeling you have deep inside. You'll it's get just, there. Oh. You know, it's uh, it's just what the pros do. You know, we play the one on the two and we deal with it. <laughs> There will always be eight people, including myself, that know exactly what that's referencing. Exactly, I know. Yeah, yeah. And I and it is beautiful. It is a beautiful moment, and it's between us and the other eight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I need to keep my I need to keep my credibility and like what people that's think right. of me. <laughs> yeah. Now you do that on a five seconds to summer track. You're not getting asked back. <laughs> oh, all right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you learned something. We hope you smiled and laughed, and we hope most importantly that you're going to go check out. Little limp biscuit, little mint condition, some paramour, some brotherly, and just start to explore music. Hell, type in any of those bands that we told you about into Pandora or into Apple Music Shuffle or whatever it is, uh-huh. and just see what else comes up. Discover new music, discover something that you haven't heard before, enjoy it, start to dissect the drum parts, and hopefully you'll just fall in love with the instrument all over again. Yeah, that was a good place to stop. That was beautiful. I'm not going to say anything now. In the can. In the can. Episode, what What are we, mate? 94. Oh. No. Woo. Right. I'm going to get, I'm going to DM Elon. 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 Right now. It's got to be done. Dude, a lot of people tagged Brian Cox over the week. Did <laughs> A lot they? of people. Yeah. <laughs> Professor Brian Cox I got love tagged that. quite a bit. All right, everybody. Have a great day. We will see you soon. Bye-bye.